Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 58 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is March 25th, 2009, and if you don't know about the Peristyle Podcast, it is our weekly internet radio show talking all about USC. This week on the podcast, we've got an exciting show. Spring football starts this weekend, so we're going to give you a preview. We'll also talk some recruiting with Gerard Martinez. Up here in the first segment, we have the coach, Harvey Hyde. What's going on today, coach? Ryan, uh, whenever it's getting to be towards spring practice, not that other schools haven't started and completed their spring practice. When it starts at USC, there's a lot of talent out there, a lot of players out there that have waited for this opportunity. Some returning players, some registered players, some players who have uh, walked on get that opportunity to do their thing in the spring, and I'm looking forward to it. In fact, I'm going to see you Saturday out there, and uh, we'll be able to discuss what we Observe, and it's going to be a lot of fun because not only are we going to see new players, we're going to see new coaches. And I think it's great to be able to evaluate the players, the coaches, and the whole deal at one time. I agree with you 100%, Coach. We're going to talk all about that. But before we do that, I just want to thank our sponsor for the segment. They help make the Peristyle Podcast happen, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is their website address. Or if you want to give them a call, 800-888-7287. If you need tickets for anything, concerts, sporting events, theater, Stuff like that. Give Southern California tickets a call. I know you call them all the time, Coach. I do. And, of course, with the playoffs coming, the NBA playoffs and the Lakers and the Dodgers season opening and so on, why stand in line? Just call Southern California Ticket Service, and they'll have everything ready for you. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little about what's going on. Uh, just to get people up to speed, USC had their spring break last week, and uh, they started back up with their conditioning workouts. This is the final week of winter workouts this week and spring practice starts Saturday, uh, March 28th, and it starts at 10:30 a.m. It is open to the public on Howard Jones Field. Like Coach said, I will be down there. He will be down there. The whole USCFootball.com staff will be down there covering it. We cover spring practice really in detail each and every spring. We get lots of stuff, all the position battles, and we're actually doing a position battle countdown this week, Coach. We're doing from number five to number one every day this week the different positions that we feel are the most highly contested. So there's a lot of spring football coverage starting already. And like you said, there, I mean, not just the player battles with all the guys they lost, especially on defense and, of course, quarterback, but there's three new coaches in the mix as well. So there's a lot going on in the spring ball. So, you know, the real USC Trojan football fans, you want to check this out and see what's going on. It gives you a really good preview of what's going to happen in the fall. And, you know, the first day is a good day, too, because everybody comes out all fired up and they've got all the enthusiasm and they're not beat up and and uh, they're ready to go and challenge. And it, it's not old yet. It's the first time they've practiced. So Saturday is a great day or the first week is a great day. After that, the players start to get a little bit tired of it. <laughs> they've been, you know, hitting their same color and it's the same routine and they're behind in their studies and everything else. So uh, the first day or the first week is really a great time to get out there and watch spring practice. Now, Coach, one question I have for you, and you know, we've you just kind of hit on that a little bit. So you have, um, you know, the offensive line is pretty well set. You know, Chris O'Dowd's not going to be in there, so you have a little mix-up with uh, Jeff Byers going to play some center. But a lot of positions on offense are kind of, you know, there's established people there. Uh, spring doesn't seem like it's that important to them but when you you have you know the entire linebacking core gone there's a lot of guys that are fighting for spots is it more important for you know positions that are more up for grabs as opposed to guys that are kind of established in their starting spots oh no no i'm going to tell you right now it's uh, very important for every position because every position has got to improve you've got to have your top five offensive linemen in there and just because you had a starting position last year that doesn't mean a a young player like Tyrone Smith, who had a, a great year last year and has really had a great offensive or uh, off season, can't just be moved to a guard position, or and he'll be pushing Charles Brown. And, and I'll tell you, that makes him better. And Butch Lewis and Nick Howell, that's a great competitive edge. If both 
players or all of these positions, these guys got to come to play. The guards, the centers, all the positions, because that's the only way they get better. And believe me, you make the team in the spring where you can hit and you get after it and you get evaluated and you watch the videos all summer and so on. So it's important that every position gets better in the spring because you've got a lot of redshirts now. Khalili and, and other of these, these guys that are, that are coming out that haven't had that opportunity, they're going to be wanting to move up and challenge Lewis and Hal and these other guys. And they're great players of the future. So these great players of the future want to challenge and get better. And, and as a coach, you want to push them and have them ready in case someone gets injured. So I, I think it's a, a very competitive uh, opportunity for all positions. It doesn't make any difference what it is. You've got to get better at every position. All right, Coach, and uh, just I want to give you let you touch on this a little bit. We do we kind of came up together and did a uh, no, just the guys on the USCFootball.com staff came up with like our what we felt would be the top five position battles heading into spring, and we're revealing one every day. We did one Monday, Tuesday, and today on Wednesday, we'll do Thursday and Friday our number two and number one battles. But the ones we have so far, I'll maybe get your quick comments on these. Uh, middle linebacker, obviously, you know, trying to replace Ray Malaluga. Um, Strong side defensive end where Kyle Moore was just, you know, a mainstay there for so long. And then today we had the number three side, weak side linebacker replacing Kaluka Maiava. So those were three of our top five position battles. I don't know, maybe get your thoughts on those if you feel those shouldn't be in the top five or, or any thoughts you have. Well, you know, I, I think it's, uh, they're all battles, but yes, uh, you have to really uh, replace Kyle Moore and you've got to get some great offensive rush from the outside. Griffin, did, Griffin didn't really have the type of year that everybody expected him to have, so he he has really uh, bulked up. He really looks good as far as physically before spring practice start. I look for him to have a great year at one of the defensive ends, and I think what they're going to do is, you know, you got Malik Jackson, you got Nick Perry, you got Jerry uh, Washington. He was a senior. You got Wes Horton, and and you've got some freshmen coming. Now, I'm going to tell you, out of that group you're going to be able to find two guys who can rush the passer. But you've got to put pressure on the passer. You've got to bring outside pressure. And I'll tell you, this is one thing they're going to try to find this spring. You've got to find two guys that sacrifice their soul and get off the football. And I'll tell you, one guy that gets off the football. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not tell you, telling you he's going to start, but I was really impressed with him in high school, and I've really been impressed with him last uh, year in practice is this Malik Jackson. I'm going to tell you, he is a burner. Now, he's not a big physical kid, but he's got to step on you when he gets off the line of scrimmage. And big offensive tackles have a tough time blocking very quick defensive ends. But you start cheating and start taking that step to the outside to make sure you reach him, and then he makes the move and goes back inside. So I'm going to tell you, I think Jackson, It's very. It's, he's a kid to watch when you go out there. Number 97, if you're going to spring practice, watch Wes Horton, number 96. He's going to make an impact out there. Everybody knows 93, Emerson Griffin. So you've got to watch him out there. But I think Nick Perry, here's a guy that comes out of Michigan that broke the all-time pass sack record in the state of Michigan. I think he had 35 or something unbelievable his high school year. Here's a kid that was a freshman last year that we didn't see much of. But uh, here's a kid, too, that could be a great player at defensive end. So I think there's going to be a great battle. And out of that group, believe me, out of that group, you've got to be able to find two guys that can replace Clay Matthews and Kyle Moore. You've got to. And then, of course, that forces everything back inside to the backers. And then the tackles, they hold the ground inside there, and you make the plays. Now, Coach, we kind of brought up the the strong side specifically because – you know, that's where Kyle Moore played. And Everson Griffin kind of lost his job to Clay Matthews, like you mentioned. Um, you know, he'll probably play that rush end weak side, but they could move around. As a former coach, I mean, I think we, we talk about this a little bit, the different techniques. How big of a different is, difference is there, strong side, weak side? Because I think, you know, we, we talked about just one side, but guys like you, you mentioned all those guys, they could move around. Malik Jackson could go from side to side, you know, depending if they bulk guys up and stuff. How big of a difference is there from, you know, quote unquote, the strong side guy and the weak side guy on defensive ends? Well, it's a difference because most people, uh, when you have your tight end that side, that's what they call their strong side of the offensive line. You see different types of plays that way. You know, you see the tight end in the blocking screen, uh, schemes and so on, and, and you, you see reach tackles, reach out on these guys if they're not at the outside shoulder. You've got to be able to be a little bit more physical 
if you play the strong side. That's why you see a lot of teams now flip-flopping their defenses, completely flip-flopping their defense, right, left. The strong side always goes with the tight end. The weak side always goes away. And that's why you see a lot of teams trying to balance defenses by coming out in two tight ends or slots or so on to balance the defense so that you can see a straight front. And then that way you can run your plays either way. So, uh, there, you know, the physical, you got to be a little bit more physical to play the strong side. On the weak side, you know, if, if it, most teams are right-handed, too. Let me tell you that. Most teams are right-handed, which means most teams always put their tight end either to the wide side of the field or to the right. For some reason, that always happens. So normally, if you put your, your, your more physical guy to the left side, I don't know what the percentages are, but most of that time, you're going to see the strong side. Or if you put him to the wide side, you're going to see uh, most of your strong side plays to the wide side. That just happens that way, uh, and, and it's a, a, just a stat. But, you know, uh, if you don't have two guys that can play strong or weak, then you flip-flop them. It's very simple. You see people flip-flopping their entire defenses, linebackers and all, and, and I think that's something that you, you see more or less, in, and I think it's good. In fact, I even used to love it when we used to flip-flop the offensive line. Everybody remembers that. It flip-flopped the lines left and right, but they got away from that because of stance and so on. It cuts your assignments in half, but you only have to learn a, a strong side uh, defense or a weak side defense. When you're in offense, you only have to learn the strong side plays, the weak side plays, and you only see that different type of look. You don't have to uh, see two different looks to learn or three different looks to be able to block because they play the strong side one way and they play the weak side the other way. But today you don't see offenses flip-flopping, and you always see now the left side of the line with their left hand down because they feel that that's a better way for them to get back for pass blocking, protect to the outside, and uh, step that way. And then to the right side, you always see the right hand down. So there's a lot of different things that they've come up with that they, but they utilize. But there is, a, there is a distinct advantage of being able to play the strong side, weak side, and that's why you see them flop the backers a lot. All right. And ends. And ends. And the ends, too. Okay, Coach. Well, we're going to go from one kind of technical discussion to another real quick. Um, if anyone has questions, we've always taken your emails, podcast at uscfootball.com. We gave out a bunch of T-shirts. I think I sent about 25 T-shirts out to people that had questions and comments and stuff over the past few weeks. Uh, we wanted to experiment a little, Coach. And, and for those of you who don't know, I have a little home studio, a little mixing board, and I can have people in the studio and record the podcast. We record it usually on Wednesday mornings. And then I have it up by Wednesday afternoon. Um, you know, we do a few different segments, stuff like that. Well, to, to talk over the phone, I actually use Skype, which is a, a internet, you know, calling program. And if you have two people have Skype, you can actually call each other. You can do video chats and stuff like that. Uh, and if you pay a little bit of money a month, you can actually call from your computer to phone. So I'm calling Coach Hyde on his fax line right now. We get a really nice, clear signal. It's a, a landline. So it's a good way to kind of record the program. Well, some people wanted to be able to sit, submit audio questions as opposed to just tech questions that we would read. And uh, unless we do the show live, like we could probably Skype people in and have them call in. We wanted to play a little bit with this coach and have people try to leave me a voicemail or actually email me uh, WAV files or, or MP3 files, just uh, audio files that we could play as we're recording the podcast and then answer the questions that way. So you could actually hear the people that are they're answering the questions. Does that sound like fun, coach? Yep, sounds like fun, and you don't even tell me what the question is, so I better be ready. Huh? I, I don't know. know what the defense is. Play the play called or the defense called. Well, this question is about um, – well, this was an emailed question, in, and so we can uh, play it. It's a wave file. This was a question about the quarterbacks, and uh, you know we were talking about position battles. I'll give you a little hint, Coach. One of our top two position battles is the quarterback. So, yes, that's you know with Mark Sanchez leaving. Uh, we didn't get any um, voicemail questions. I think we had some technical problems with that. But if you do have Skype or if you want to download it free at Skype.com and you want to send, submit a question in for next week's podcast, you can do that. Just my Skype name is Ryan, R-Y-A-N, dot Abraham, A-B-R-A-H-A-M. So Ryan period Abraham. That's my Skype name. You can try to connect to that and leave me a voicemail. And then we can use that, you know, and you say who you want to, you know, ask the question to. Say your name, where you're from. This is a question for Coach Hyde, and then ask your question. Um, or, you know, if you want to ask for Dan or myself or Gerard or anything like that, just let us know. Leave me a voicemail, and then I'll play that voicemail during the taping of the podcast, and you can hear your voice 
on the podcast. So anyway, coach, we're going to play with that. Hopefully we'll get some voicemails next week when we get the technical problems worked out. But we did get this question emailed to us, and I'm going to play it for you now so you can answer when he's done. All right. Hi, this is Rich from Capistrano Beach, screen name Clan West One. And this question is for Coach Hyde. Coach Hyde, if you were in charge, would you really give Matt Barkley a shot at the starting quarterback position, or would you just let him kind of go through the motions and and pick one of the pick one of the veterans? All right, well, Coach. that's a good that's a good question, Ryan. And uh, uh, I would definitely give him a shot. If you don't definitely give him a shot, then you can't really go out and tell freshmen that are coming in that you have, you have a shot to start at USC as a freshman. You, you won't get the recruiting classes that you're getting at USC because the players, the word spreads so fast that, yeah, he told me this, but I'm not getting my turns. And you have an unhappy player. So, yeah, I really believe that you do give him his turns. Uh, obviously, he's going to be a little bit behind, except he's been fortunate enough to be there during the spring he's going to be behind as far as uh the maturity as far as being through spring practice being through the fall and so on as as uh the past uh, or the returning players mustaine and corp and green and so on he'll be behind and these players will help him along and the coaches will help him along and so on but he has a very strong arm and you know if you remember mustaine started for arkansas as a true freshman and they went through and i think won eight straight games with him so if you have the right temperament and you're a leader and you can, you're a game player, you can be a starter. Now, he has tough competition. Let's face this. And Aaron Corp and Mitch Mustaine, these guys have been around for a while. And I mentioned Mustaine with his experience. Corpa, in fact, was the California State Player of the Year. And uh, Jim Clausen beat him out for that award. And Clausen's now started two years at Notre Dame. So you've got some some really great competition at the quarterback position, which will make them all better. And let's don't count out Garrett Green. Now, what I'm saying, yeah, he doesn't get the publicity that everybody else gets, but this kid is a great athlete. He's played a lot of different positions. He, he understands the offense. He's an intelligent kid, and he can execute the offense, and that's very important. So you've got really some great competition among the four people. The only problem, with having so many great quarterbacks is you don't get enough reps. And that, that what, that's what really hurts you. If you want to try to establish as soon as you can who your best quarterback is or best quarterbacks, and you start establishing more reps with the number one unit because you want your quarterback to have reps with the number one unit. It's not fair to have uh, Barkley run with the three-unit team all the time because you don't have the same – athletes or quality athletes around you with the experience and so on, and you're normally going against the, uh, a defense that uh, sometimes is the first defense or second defense, and so you don't really have the same evaluation period. So you've, to be able to properly do it, you've got to give each quarterback the opportunity of running with the first unit, not just one or two plays, but several series of plays so that you see what the feel is and the leadership. Can you sustain a drive? And, and when you get down to the goal line, do you execute down there? Does this team respond to you? So when you have so many quarterbacks at a position, it's harder to determine who your starter is, and it's harder to bring along young quarterbacks like Barkley because – because he doesn't get the number of turns that he necessarily has. That's why the seven-on-seven and everything they've been doing before spring practice is so important because he gets to know his receivers because he hasn't seen these receivers before. He's been throwing to a different type of athlete. I mean, not that they didn't have great athletes in modern day, but not these type of athletes like Williams and these guys that can run to the football where you put the ball near them and they'll make the catch and the timing and you throw to a spot and all. That comes from seen them over and over and over and over so it's great you have a lot of depth at quarterback but it hurts you in a way because it's hard to determine and hard to give enough reps with the first unit each quarterback so uh you know it's hard for me to explain i hope you understand what i'm saying to rich uh, so you get the gist of it but yes he will definitely have an opportunity otherwise if you don't give him that opportunity you don't have a happy camper there Coach, well, thanks for answering the question, and thanks to Rich for sending that in. We'll Hopefully we'll do some more of those. So definitely email us your questions to podcast at USCfootball.com if you can record it. 
send us a WAV file or MP3 file, or you can uh, Skype us and email, send a voicemail there. Ryan.Abraham is the Skype name. But, Coach, yeah, do you like that feature? I do like that feature. We can send hear him. him. I like it. Yeah. yeah well, send Rich a T-shirt. We're going to do that for sure. And, but we got to uh, ask him his size. Yes, I will. He emailed me, so I can email him back. Um, but, Coach, you actually brought up what kind of maybe the answer to my next question, our last question, the last topic for today, unfortunately. But Garrett Green yesterday, we, we all kind of got surprised, uh, and we broke this on USCFootball.com. We go out to the coach's conditioning workout that starts at 3, where the coaches kind of work with the players. They do footwork and stuff like that, and but they can't have any footballs out on the field. We look at Garrett Green. He's running with the receivers, so the coaches had moved him over. He ran with the receivers, and then when it came to seven-on-seven, seven, when the coaches left and the players were thrown around, he was working as a receiver, and he wasn't in the quarterback rotation like he normally was before spring break. Um, and I, I talked to him briefly, and Dan Weicke did an interview with him, so we'll talk a little bit more about what he said, but he said he wasn't sure. He said, you know, I'm just doing what the coaches are asking. He wasn't even sure on Saturday if he was going to be a quarterback or a receiver. So it's it's not that he's moved. But it's, he could have potentially, you know, he can potentially move for a spring or maybe half a spring. Who knows? But do you, you know, maybe you answer the question by saying that there's just not that many reps. Do you think that's a reason why they might want to move him over there? Yeah, I do believe that. He's going to be a senior, and that would be uh, five quarterbacks. Uh, no, that'd be four. That's right, four quarterbacks. And that possibly is a reason. And maybe they know what he can do, and they've seen him. So they want to not – they want him in the game. He's a winning type of kid, okay? He's really a winner. I think he's even played safety for a period of time. He did, sure. Too. Holder, he was working out his holder yesterday a little bit also. <laughs> right. So, you know, he does it all. And they probably want to give the quarterbacks more reps, the other ones. They know what Garrett can do a little bit more and so on. And realistically, they probably – and they've sat down and talked with him. And believe me, they don't do these things. They sit down and talk to him reasonably about why they're having him out there. They will. Maybe he won't tell you. But uh, there's an understanding – uh, of what and why he's out there uh, for some reason. and uh, um, But uh, you're probably right. They, they probably need to get more reps with the other quarterbacks, and he being his senior understands it. And But uh, when they go back to seven-on-seven, seven, he goes back and throws the ball around. He's going to be the next Matt Castle. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, Coach. I mean, just another one of those things to look out starting this Saturday, USC, Howard Jones Field. 10.30 a.m., uscfootball.com will be down there. Coach Harvey Hyde will be down there. We'll have all kinds of good stuff to talk to you on the podcast next week. And, unfortunately, that's the next time we're going to get to talk to you, Coach, until, until Saturday. But hope you have a good week, and uh, we will see you on Saturday. And thank you very much, Ryan, for the opportunity of being with you. Oh, we appreciate it. Thank you very much for being on, and thanks to Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. Everybody else, we're going to have a really short break. We're going to come back talking more spring football with uscfootball.com beat writer. Dan Weike. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's one 800 888-7287 or visit us on the web at sctickets.com SC Tickets, Concert, Sports and Theater We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast I'm your host, Ryan Abraham We're joined by USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weike What's up, Dan? Ryan, how are you? I, I am good. I'm good. We're getting ready for spring football just around the corner. As we said in the last segment, Saturday, 1030 a.m. We'll be down there. I'll, uh, I'm doing my best to print out more of those rosters. We hand those out every spring. Uh, fans seem to like that. And the roster is a little bit easier to handle during the springtime because we don't you don't have any of the new freshmen coming in yet. So just Matt Barkley is the only freshman on that list. But, you know, Dan will be down there. We're going to be doing lots of stories and interviews from spring football and i'm sure dan you're looking forward to it i am i like the players right now i'm a little bored with seven on sevens and 11 on 11 <laughs> um it's just you know at this point i think they're just ready to hit i'm ready to write about something different i'm ready to see some guys get hit um i'm just excited for it i want to see some coaches interacting with some players with some footballs on the field i mean 
it's been, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty arduous process actually. I mean, getting ready for sprinkle ball. It's pretty, I mean, you see it again, you know, during the summer where you see the guys that the work they put in to get ready for it. Um, you know, I think that was one thing before I became, started covering, you know, college football that I, I didn't really even realize that it was that much went into it. And, uh, you know, obviously I think that they're ready to go. Um, I think that they're curious to see how some position battles will shake down. And I think that the coaches are curious to see how some guys are going to perform. Yeah. I mean, new coaches, new, you know, some, uh, position switches and a lot of open spaces, a lot of former all Americans that have moved on and you got to see what goes on now. Uh, you know, what those battles are going to be like. And just so people know, um, I mean, I, I brought some people down. I went to one of Chris Carlisle's workouts on Monday. And, you know, like we had, we had Carlisle on the, the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He can see these players almost every day. And he gets a lot more time with them. I don't, I don't know if the fans, some of them don't understand that there's very limited time the coaches get actually on the practice field. And spring football is one of those times. 15 practices is all they get. They spread it out over about a month's time. They'll do three or four a week, depending on what goes on. And then really the coaches can't you know, interact with the players. You know, They can do meetings and stuff like that, but not on the field, not with footballs there. You can't do any kind of practices until fall camp starts up in August. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like a big, big dead period where – and, I mean, that's where really um, Mark Sanchez was super key last year. I, I hate to always bring up Sanchez because I feel like we talk about him a lot. But that's where he was so key last year because he came out of spring as a starter. He kind of had the reins, I guess – for the off-season workouts to, to kind of organize players, to bring people down to his house in Orange County, to bring the receivers down there, and, and to get everybody together, and to kind of, to kind of you know, draw back at the defense and stuff like that. It, he was kind of the champion of the offense, and, and it was, you know, he was the leader. I mean, unquestionably the leader. And that started in the summer um, as far as where not only was he just, you know, the, the leader like he'd always been, but now he was kind of appointed too. So, you know, obviously, I think that best case scenario this off season is that you know heading into summer workouts, I do think the coaching staff would like to have a starting quarterback. Yeah, it's a good point. They'll have a leader throughout the summer, and they do a lot, just like they have done these winter workouts the past eight weeks or so. They'll do a lot of them over the summer, and they get the linemen involved. They'll do a lot of eleven on eleven, seven on sevens, one on ones. We'll definitely be out there doing all that. But you know, for sure, this is a really important time for USC football, and it can really set up. You know, these position battles now can set up, you know, what would be the you know, potential starters in the fall and obviously going into the, the big games like traveling to Ohio State, some big road games this year. So you're going to need those, you know, those starters name, the, you know, the, the guys that, you know, positions that we've talked about already in our countdown and we still have a couple more to go. We mentioned that with uh, with Coach Hyde in the last segment. But one of those positions, are the number five battle that we talked about on USCfootball.com was middle linebacker. And there was a little bit of news that broke yesterday regarding middle linebacker. Maybe you want to share that with us, Dan. Yeah. Uh, a recently head shaven Chris Gallipo returned, um, was out on the practice field. First time we've really seen him doing a lot of stuff. Um, he wasn't really, he wasn't doing anything in the seven on sevens or anything like that, but he's out there, which is, I mean, a step in the, in the positive direction at this point, he is doing some conditioning stuff. Um, he has an ultrasound, uh, <clears throat> today, which is a uh, Wednesday check on his spleen to make sure it hasn't enlarged or, um, that the that the swelling has gone down, so that he can get full clearance, so he can get hit and he can deliver hits. Um, obviously, huge for him. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking that uh, when when you were talking uh, was that <clears throat> excuse me was that you know these position battles, in addition to kind of you know obviously getting the right guys in the starting lineup, I do think that it's a great chance for the coaches to kind of test these guys on pressure situations too where the coaches can kind of, you know, especially with competition being such a, a cornerstone of the program, to seeing how guys like Armand Armstead and Chris Gallipo and Luther Brown and, and really react now that there's nobody, you know, now that Ray Maluga's not in front of them or Kyle Moore's not in front of them or, you know, so on and so forth, just to see how they react to, to can, are they ready to be the guy? I mean, that's the biggest question, I'm sure, with a lot of these guys. I mean, they, when they recruit them, you know, obviously the hope is that, yeah, at some point in time these guys can be starters. I really truly believe that everybody they recruit, at some point in time they envision a scenario with them starting. Well, now's the time where they get to find that out, and now's the time where they get to see if they were kind of right, I guess, on those guys. Because, you know, 
a guy can be great in practice, you know, he can be a scout team stud, but, you know, if you put him with the first unit and he doesn't do his job, I mean, you know, that's, that, what does that, I mean, what does that say for the other stuff he's doing? That's not the important stuff, really. No, and even um, on the other, I mean, even guys that are like maybe special team stud, they don't even have to be studs on this. I mean, you got like a Jordan Campbell or a, uh, Malcolm Smith or something that they they get some reps at linebacker, but they they like kill it on special teams. Well, now you're the starting strong side linebacker or the starting weeks out, whatever it is. Can you perform at that same level? I think that's a good point. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, it's so ready out of you that I'm taking aback. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll just move on from there. That'll be your last compliment of the year. Well, keep, keep, keep coming. Keep coming. 2010. I'll schedule your next one. Um, Another some other news that we broke yesterday, uscfootball.com, breaking all this kind of news. Garrett Green, we mentioned this in the last segment with uh, Coach Harvey Hyde. Garrett Green, not necessarily moved to wide receiver, but he was working out with the wide receivers during the coaches' conditioning drills. He was doing it during seven on seven, eleven on eleven. Uh, I talked to him briefly. You got to talk to him a little bit longer. What what did he have to say? Um, yeah, he said that you know he he, um, he got called into the coaches' office and they, they kind of just asked him to take reps with the wideouts um, on Tuesday to be, to be ready to do that. Um, he didn't throw it all yesterday, um, which is, uh, which is unique for a guy, you know, who, who's been throwing pretty much exclusively for, you know, I don't know. Gosh, it's been a while since he switched. I mean, that was when last camp. Yeah. It's been a while. I mean, it's been a year or so or something when like Mark, that. Yeah. Well, I think when Mark got hurt, I think, he yeah, switched. I think that was, so, I mean, it's been a while. And, you know, he, he moved back to wide receiver. It was funny. The, the thing that I liked most was the first rep that he lined up in, in 11 on 11s. Uh, a couple of the guys in the secondary were screaming, double pass. <laughs> like, like, GG's in the game, double pass. <laughs> and it was, you know, obviously he's a weapon that they can use there. I mean, I don't know about that. But, you know, he um, he's doing that stuff right now. It's not a permanent switch necessarily. I think for him, he just wants to get on the field way he can you know he's a senior it's gonna be his last year his last chance to really to play uh he's another guy who plays at such a high level on special teams is such a valuable guy because he can do so many different things um but yeah no i mean he's joking around he's, he's saying he thinks he set the record for most positions played during a during a usc career at this point you know i mean that's probably where the tone page in the media guide i would think I so think. i mean he was he was working out as a holder as well like when he was exclusively quarterback he stopped kind of trying to be the holder uh, you know, now Voidnik's gone. He can get on the field that way, too. I mean, he's going to do whatever it takes to get on the field. Even when he was a backup quarterback before, he was still, you know, one of the guys on special teams running off, you know, running down on kickoffs and everything. So he'll continue to do all that kind of stuff, it looks like. Yeah, I think so, you know. And, uh, you know, I could see that, I could see a scenario where he ends up at quarterback still. Um, I think, you know, the receivers and the coaches who have been here know that he probably has the best grasp of the offense at this point. I mean, that was kind of the, the argument for moving him to quarterback in the first place was that he was a guy who understood the offense better than anybody else. Well, you know, I mean, he still does. It's not like he knows it any less now that he's had an extra year playing quarterback. I think that's one thing that if the, if they, if the coaching staff decides to go strict game management, at quarterback, I think he's a, he's an intriguing candidate for that because of his just overall knowledge of football, his overall knowledge of the USC offense. I don't think that he's going to be a guy who's really going to necessarily hurt you, quarterback. The question is, I mean, does it make sense if he's the fourth best quarterback? All right, hypothetically, does it make sense to have a guy like that? You know, can, can you get more out of a sixth wide receiver than you can a fourth string quarterback? I think you can. Certainly, yeah. You no. Know? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the chance for a sixth or seventh string wide receiver, I'm not, I don't know, I'm just talking off the top of my head. I've, I haven't really even thought about where he would fall in the depth chart. Is you know, something where I think he recognizes that. I think the coaches recognize that. And if they get him out on the field, I think wide receiver is probably the quickest path to that. Now, uh, I'm, if there's anyone I can make a, a television reference to, it will be Dan because he gets just about everything. But if you ever watch Friday Night Lights, he's kind of like the Matt Saracen. Well, Matt Saracen was the starting quarterback and won the state championship and stuff, and then they moved him when the new kid. Are you implying that Garrett Green is dating Pete Carroll's daughter? No. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. I can't confirm or deny. But, uh, yeah, it was a similar kind of thing. But He's a great kid. He's a smart kid. He could have went to Harvard. He's a kid that a lot of people root for, so it'll be fun to kind of see where he ends up. And he's, I mean, he's a happy kid. He's He's having fun, you know, and he just wants to go out yeah. there and play. 
Yeah, it was fun talking to him. You know, I, you know, I put the recorder away and I, I just was talking to him and I kind of asked him, like, do you even have a preference? I mean, do you care? He's like, seriously, just want to play. Yeah. I think he realizes that, you know, I mean, he's put in so much time here. I mean, he's obviously, he's had some great moments. I mean, like, you know, the Rose Bowl moment is something that, you know, he's going to be able to tell people about, you know, forever. You know what I mean? Doing that. I mean, he threw a touchdown that. pass in the Rose Bowl, just for people that don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, the fact that he, the fact that he did that, I mean, that's, <clears throat> I mean, not a lot of people get get a chance to do that. Um, you know, and that's something that he'll be able to, like I said, be able to kind of, you know, sit around and talk about. But I, I don't think he's satisfied with that per se. I think that, you know, he wants to, to help this team win, and I think he can. Um, it's just a matter of kind of finding the right spot for him. Like I said, I don't know if he's the best quarterback. I'm pretty sure he's not the best safety. I'm pretty sure he's not the best wide receiver. So he's not going to be that kind of the guy that you're going to expect to see starting anywhere, um, really. But he's a guy, because of his versatility, can fill in and do so much stuff. I mean, really, when we talk about practice players and stuff like that, I mean, just a phenomenal practice player because of his versatility. I mean, if a guy goes down and he could fill in, you know, so many different spots, it's it's remarkable. It's like when we talk about Luther Brown's versatility and how important that is to the linebacker, the fact that, you know, if Mike Morgan gets hurt, you know, that Luther Brown can slide over and play strong side linebacker because he knows it. You know, it, it's just like that old character, except with much more with much more flexibility, I guess. Yeah. Now, last camp, going into camp, I talked to Garrett Green when he started playing quarterback, and I'm like, you know, you're the only quarterback on the team that's thrown a touchdown pass in the Rose Bowl, even though he was buried on the depth chart. I was like, yeah, that's a good point. He's going into this camp, same thing. No other quarterback on this roster has thrown a touchdown pass in the Rose Bowl. So he's got that going for him, at least. Well, he has thrown the second most recent touchdown too. That's did, did Corp throw? Yeah, I don't think Corp threw a touchdown last year. I don't. Yeah, we'd have to look. I don't think he did. So yeah, I mean, Mustaine did his a couple of years ago. Well, no, he did one last year. But Mitch threw a touchdown. Last yeah, year. he did. He yeah. threw that real long one to Osbury, I think. And um, yeah, I'm not sure if he had another one, but I know he had that one for sure. Right. All right. Well, you mentioned someone else uh, and talk about versatility. We can go out go out on this note because he's a he's a popular player, uh, Luther Brown. And, uh, you know, we, we previewed a couple of the positions. We're going to preview, you know, we previewed middle linebacker on Monday. We previewed weak side linebacker on Wednesday. And his name came up during both of those articles, during our position battle articles. I, I think he's a guy that's done well in practice and people expected to see him on the, on the playing field and it hasn't happened. Um, you know, you've talked to him. We've all kind of, you know, Get a little grumblings. Give us your overview of, of what his deal is. Is his back going to be healthy enough? Is he going to be able to play? What do you think is going on there? I mean, all five points in being healthy at this point. Um, it's kind of hard to tell because he's always been kind of coy about his injuries um, a little bit where he wasn't like, oh, yeah, you know, I did this to my back or I did this to my shoulder. So he's been like, yeah, man, I'll be out there. You know, he's, he's kind of one of those guys. Because I truly believe he always thinks he's going to play. Um you know, now they need him to play. They didn't necessarily need him last year. Um, you know, now they, they're going to need him, and um, he's got to be healthy. I think he knows that. I think he knows that he has to stay healthy, really to kind of stabilize a really young linebacking group. Um, you saw kind of the value in Luther Brown with Gallipo getting sick, um, you know, and, and missing time with Mano. Because, I mean, Luther Brown stepped in playing in a linebacker. I mean, and, and really was a veteran. Um kind of presence a guy like I said you know knows the defense knows the scheme knows the assignments and and he's a guy that I think players listen to which is I mean you can never have enough of those guys I mean that's you know we talk about leadership a lot and that where gets thrown around and, and you know I mean a lot of times people come out to practice and see somebody just you know drawn at other people and they're like oh my gosh you know what a good leader well that that doesn't necessarily mean it. I mean you know you've got to like have the respect of your team and you, and you have to have proven that you know kind of what's going on. And I, I do think from the, the linebackers that I've talked to, Delonta Brown really knows what's going on. I mean, the fact that he hasn't been physically able to play, if anything, is to strengthen his kind of mental capacity to understand what, you know, what the linebackers are trying to do. And I think that's a, a huge thing, really, with, with them. I mean, especially when, you, when you're such a young group. I mean, to, to be able to plug in a guy like that at any point in time, a guy who, who's been around it and who knows, I guess, you know, who's seen so many snaps, from, you know, guys like Ray and Kush and Kaluka and Clay Matthews. I mean, I mean, he's seen all that stuff. He knows how those guys have reacted. I mean, I don't know. Plus, add that to the fact that he's another guy who I'm sure is, like, like Eric Green, just chopping at the bit to get out there and make something happen, too, which is never a bad thing. 
No, that that's true. And there's it's weird, you know, just when you talk injuries, some players are very forthcoming and other players like I literally if you talk to I'm not going to say the Duluth or Brown, but there are some players that are out there where they could talk to the trainer and the trainer says, you're going to be out four weeks. And you talk to them five minutes later and they're like, yeah, I'll be back pretty soon here. And, you know, they're not I don't know why, but they just don't. I mean, that's fine. I mean, there's a prerogative. They don't want to share what's going on. And usually we have to talk to Pete Carroll after practice. He'll kind of give you, you know, his version of, of what's going on there. But Luther Brown, you're Joe, right. Joe McKnight was like that. Joe McKnight yeah. was like that a little bit last year at times when, you know, he was having some problems with his toes and stuff like that during the year. We'd be like, Joe, what's up with your toe? And he's like, you know, man, I'll be back, you know, I'll be back Saturday. And then we looked down and like, dude, you're missing your foot. I like, your foot <laughs> like, no, I'll be back Saturday. She's like, seriously, Joe, they amputated your left foot. Like, you know, not Saturday, man. I'll be out there Saturday. And, and I mean, you know, obviously Joe McKnight has, has not suffered any amputations at this point yet. Um, although that could be out there. Who knows? I mean, Four dislocated toes. Too. Four dislocated toes. <laughs> and that didn't come up, you know? Yeah, I mean, so it's like, you know, some guys are like that. I mean, Joe's better now. He'll, you know, he'll say, what, you know, he was honest when he talked about, you know, he's not sure what he'll be able to do in the spring and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, no, guys, it, it's always one of my favorite parts of the job, obviously, around is, is like we get to spend so much time out there. You, you kind of get a feel for what guys are, like, you know, are super outgoing guys. And, and you, get, you, you understand which guys that, like, you know, you can talk to about anything and you know which guys, you know, you got to be a little, you got to push maybe a little bit more, like, you know, some guys are shyer than others. Like, you know, Mike Morgan, we put a video interview up with Mike Morgan um, with Emily Nerland, and, you know, Mike, Mike's a pretty shy guy when it comes to the camera being on. It's, and it's weird because when I talk to him without the recorder out, he's cool. So cool. You know what I mean? And, and, and he'll talk, and he's fine, and you know, he's, got, he's got plenty to say. Take the recorder out, and he kind of clams up a little bit. Now you put him in front of a camera. It's even like, worse. Yeah, might yeah. Even clam, <laughs> yeah, it might even clam up a little bit more, you know? So it, it's like... It's just fun, to, I guess, to kind of to kind of get to know how those guys react to that stuff. I mean, because one thing, I mean, this is a stupid argument. I don't even know why I'm saying this. But, you know, they're still kids. And, and like, you know, that, I think that gets lost a lot of times when you think about how talented they are and how hard they work. That really, I mean, these are still, you know, a bulk of, like, 18, 22-year-old kids, you know? Oh, or yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't Byers imagine. Case, or in Jeff Byers' case, 34. Yeah. I couldn't imagine doing what a lot of these guys have to do, you know, when I was in a college-age kid. And to their credit, I mean, the, the majority of these guys, you can see, I think that's what people like, a lot of the what they like about the video interviews. You can see how they react as opposed to just reading their quotes, not to, you know, minimize what you do, but just it's fun to see some of the videos sometimes. You can see their highlights and you can see, like, their kind of reaction. I mean, 90% oh, of these no, guys... I was going to say, minimalize away. Yeah, 90% of these guys are media savvy when they come in, and I think that's, I don't know what Pete Carroll teaches them, but I mean, he, I think that's why he doesn't mind having letting us talk to these guys, I mean, nonstop. We can talk to them all the time, and uh, it's yeah. unprecedented compared to what other schools, I mean, other schools you can't even see these winter workouts or summer workouts. We're allowed to go down, film it, take pictures, interview everybody we want, and and Pete Carroll's cool with that just because, I mean, he, I, guess, I don't know what he does, but he trains these guys. They're, 90% of them are really media savvy, and the ones that aren't are still pretty good, you know? So rarely does anybody say anything that embarrasses the program. So rarely. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're like, you know, C.J. Gable said some stuff last year that I'm sure the coaches wish he wouldn't have said. V.L. Hazleton said some stuff last year that I know the coaches wish he wouldn't have said um, or that players wish he wouldn't have said. But for the most part, I mean, everybody's pretty much on point. And that's not to say that they're just spouting off cliches and stuff like that. I mean, some do, but but for the most part, I mean, you know, these are these are smart kids who are who are really, like you said, I mean, savvy and, and aren't phased by it. And, and they like talking football and they don't mind talking football. And it, it's really a blessing, I guess, you know, to be a reporter in that situation because, you know, it's just a wealth of information, a wealth of access. It, it, it's a great time. And we can bring all that information access to all of you out there at Listening on the Peristyle Podcast, peristylepodcast.com, and, of course, uscfootball.com. Dan, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights, and we'll talk to you next week as spring football gets going. Ryan, can't wait. All right, everyone else, short break. We're going to talk some recruiting with Gerard Martinez. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. 
Trojan fans to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. You can find us on peristylepodcast.com or uscfootball.com. And if you have iTunes, log in there and look for Peristyle Podcast or USC Football, you'll find us up there. On the free downloads for the podcast, get it right to your iPod or MP3 player. All different ways you can listen to the Peristyle Podcast. In this segment, we're going to talk some recruiting and a little bit more spring football as well with uscfootball.com recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez, who is a little under the weather. So thanks very much for joining us anyway, Gerard. No problemo. You do? You, how are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm uh, just uh, got some kind of weird head cold thing, congestion. So, But you know what? You power through it and uh, bring, the, bring the information to the people regardless, right? All right. Well, that's what we got to do. It's all about the here. subscriber here. It's all about the subscriber at uh, uscfootball.com. We try. We try. We do what we can. Um, all right, Gerard. Well, first up, there was a question on the message board. Uh, one of the signees, linebacker signee, is, did not sign with USC. Uh, he was a verbal commitment, did not sign with USC, I should say. He's not a signee. Uh, Chris Metcalf, just want to see if you had a quick update on him. Uh, not really. Um, at this point, I mean, it, it looks like Chris Metcalf's probably going to go junior college. Um, didn't sign with USC. Uh, basically, didn't have his paperwork together. And um, you know, from what I understand, USC couldn't actually even send him a letter of intent. And uh, so, I mean, at this point, he's he's got to get his test scores together, and he's got some other things he's got to work on. And um, you know, he talked about taking some official visits uh, post signing day, but to my knowledge, that hasn't happened, and didn't really have any kind of uh, potential of happening. And so, you know, he got April first coming up here, and that's the last day that you can actually sign. So, I think at this point, um, a lot of people are under the assumption that it's just you know he's going to go junior college and. And, you know, maybe be recruited uh, outside junior college. Um, but uh, it's, it seems like uh, academically, just with uh, paperwork and transcripts and what have you, he uh, is probably not going to make it in uh, for, for USC or for, I think, anybody next fall. All right. So that should pretty much close the door on the class of 2009 then. And, uh, you know, we've been looking ahead to the class of 2010 for, for I mean, even a year ago. But yeah <laughs> i mean we're always you know looking ahead you got to look ahead but there's a couple guys that you, you guys put up updates recently on maybe we can uh touch on them uh hayes pullard is a, a kid out of crenshaw he's got him a two-way player kind of big, i think he's got some pretty good size he's up there about six two or so you want to give kind of a little brief update on what's going on with him yeah hayes pullard uh he's, he's probably closer to about six foot six one uh, about 220 pounds uh, the first time we saw Hayes was actually as a freshman, and he was actually about six foot two or five at that point. He was playing running back at Crenshaw High School, and he was uh, DeAnthony Thomas before there was DeAnthony Thomas. There's always a guy at Crenshaw that's a young kid that everybody talks about, and it's like this big hype. And <laughs> we go down to the freshman game and check him out. Well, Hayes was that guy, and he's come through the ranks and um, become a pretty good uh, running back, linebacker. Um, I think for USC's purposes, you know, he hasn't necessarily gone either way with, you know, what his preference is going to be. I think USC is looking at him more as a, as a linebacker at this point. And, um, you know, we talked to him and, you know, talking to him recently, he, he, he gets the vibe that uh, he's going to get a scholarship offer pretty, pretty soon here from USC. Um, it's interesting. I mean, when you look at uh, the in-state linebackers, um, there's not a lot of guys out there. And, you know, the question with Hayes is, you know, is he to the level of guys that USC has recruited to the linebacker position, you know, in previous years? Now, it's tough because you've got guys like Ray Maluga and you've got Brian Cushing and you've got Kaluka Maivea. You've got a lot of guys that are really good players. 
And so the standard is very high. But you also have to look at this class and see, you know, who else is out there. I mean, Chris Martin's obviously the highest-ranked linebacker. Um, a lot of people feel like he's going to play defensive end. Uh, he's committed to Notre Dame at this point. Um, there was some talk that maybe he was going to move to New Jersey and actually go to the Hun School, which is out in New Jersey, which would really have locked him up for Notre Dame. Now his mom evidently is not really with that idea, and he's probably going to be staying in Northern California. So there's an opportunity for USC to continue to recruit him. And there'll be some other players down the line. Um, Tony Jefferson's a kid who could probably end up playing uh, maybe, you know, Will Linebacker um, in the system. He's from San Diego. He's only about six foot, 195 pounds, uh, but just a, a real brutal hitter, really, really aggressive um, player and, and fast. And, you know, his highlight tape is just pretty amazing. Um, and USC's already offered him a scholarship, but they're talking about him maybe playing running back and safety. He's really kind of that athlete. You know, Hayes is really one of the few guys that you look at, you know, you start thinking, okay, who's going to be a Mike linebacker in state? Now, USC has got their eye on some guys in Florida, and they've got their you know, eyes on guys that are out of state. But in state, you know, how many guys are you going to be able to recruit? So you have to start to look at that as well. You need some numbers. And, you know, at this point, Hayes Pullard's probably one of the top guys in the state, probably one of the top guys um, that you're, you're looking at that linebacker position. So, you know, right now it kind of seems like USC is ready to go on him. He already has an offer from UCLA, uh, knowing the, you know, the, the tradition, if you will, of uh, Crenshaw players and, and them going to Cal and going to UCLA and going anywhere but USC. It's going to be a real big battle, whether USC, you know, offers him a scholarship or not. But, uh, but he's intrigued, and, and you know, he, he does like USC. Um, but interestingly enough, he had the opportunity to go to USC's junior day um, you know, uh, last month, almost two months ago now, um, he was down at the uh, FBU uh, football camp, which was at the Coliseum. And that was a camp that was like three days long. And we were down there and we were checking it out. And uh, on that Saturday that uh, USC had their junior day, he decided to stay at the camp. And if he would probably went to USC, he probably would have got his scholarship offer then. So that kind of tells you a little something uh, maybe about where his thoughts are in schools and, and, and how much he likes schools. Now, he didn't go to UCLA's junior, you know, event either. He was invited up to junior um, to UCLA's uh, junior event. Uh, they've had, I don't know, like 10 of them, I think, at this point. I hate to call it <laughs> junior day because they've, they've had these little junior skirmishes, I don't know what you want to call them, uh, throughout the, the spring. Um, but he was invited up there for that, too, and didn't go there either. So, I mean, you know, he hasn't really gone to any schools. I think he's, he doesn't want to show anybody that he's playing favorites. Um, but, you know, figuring he was down at the Coliseum anyways, probably would have been good to just to, to swing by USC and, you know, kind of see what the what the real interest was. Um, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll kind of get a feel for what happens uh, this week, and maybe he'll make it down to, to spring ball sometime, and uh, maybe he'll get a scholarship offer. All right, that's cool, Gerard. And then uh, one other local kid I wanted to mention before we start talking some spring ball, kid out of Long Beach Poly, speedster, you know, shocker that Long Beach Poly had some guy with speed, uh, Kalen Clay, can you talk about him? Kalen Clay, uh, just a really impressive young man. Uh, I talked to him a couple nights ago, and, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they have that, um, I guess, that assumption of, of how, you know, Long Beach Poly receivers are. Um, you know the, the attitude and the brashness and the kind of uh, kind of cockiness, and and it's really kind of overblown. It's, it's not really true. I mean, Terrence Austin and and Toronto Patterson for the most part really weren't cocky kids. I mean, um, you know they have a little bit of that uh, swagger, but they were never, I would say, uh, necessarily cocky. Um, Deshaun Jackson kind of takes it all. I think he kind of carries that on his shoulder and and was kind of a cocky, arrogant guy that you know he played up to that stereotype. Um, but Kaylin Clay is really, God, he's just a sweet kid, and you talk to him, and, and uh, it, it, it almost seems like he was raised by Pete Carroll. Um, the way he talked about uh, going in and, and competing, and he loved USC because, I mean, one of the, I mean, I've never really heard it come from a recruit before, uh, you know, let alone a, a two, you know, rivals 250 four-star guy. Uh, he said, you know, basically, you know, I like USC. USC's fair. Um, you go there and you don't live up to the hype, they move on to somebody else, and that's the way it should be. And, uh, <laughs> You don't really hear that from many kids. That's pretty um, frank, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that have that really realistic, you know, view on things. It's like, you know, if you if you're a big hyped up recruit and you go to USC and you don't live up to it and you don't play to what people's expectations are of you, then you're going to get passed over, and that's the way it should be. And uh, and that's the way he kind of, you know, he looked at things and he he really likes USC. Um, he's a he's a sprinter. He's running track right now. The Long Beach Paul is going to be going out to the Texas Relays in Dallas here in a, in a week or so and um you know we'll see how they do there 
And uh, but he's, a, he's an intriguing guy. I mean, there's this this receiver class is intriguing because it's like we talked before. There's a lot of slot receivers in this class. There's a lot of guys that are Z's. A lot of guys are Y's. There's not many X's. So you're you're probably and and, and it's not a, necessarily a bad thing for USC at this point because I think the success level with the offense now really revolves around those type of guys because you've got Damian Williams, you've got Ronald Johnson, and Damian Williams and Ronald Johnson right now are both necessarily they're both slot guys too, and you can play three re, uh, receiver set where you can have your Z and you can have your Y, and uh, your your Y can change from being you know the tight end if he's down you know uh, with his with his hand in the round over to being a slot guy uh, like a receiver like Ronald Johnson, um, depending on what the formation is. So you can use those two guys in the same formation and get them on the field at the same time with your bigger X, and and it looks like this year there's just going to be a lot of guys that uh, they can recruit that can do that. You know Robert Woods is obviously a huge player. Rivals completely whiffed. This is something we should we should have been talking about is the Rivals 100 and how bad of a job they did ranking California. Sorry, I know uh, I work for Rivals, but uh, they didn't ask our advice. I don't know if they asked anybody's advice out here because the rankings for California were just not real accurate. Um, but Robert Woods is a guy that's just he might be the best player uh, in state. And he's about a six foot, hundred eighty pound uh, slot type receiver. Uh, you know, maybe a flanker. Um, you know, there's 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 guys like uh, Marquise Ambles who are in Georgia that USC is recruiting pretty hard, and he looks like he likes USC a lot. Uh, there's a lot of those type of guys that are out there. So you know, Kalen Clay is a guy that obviously has a little more of that uh, that proven speed being more of a track guy, and we'll have to see if USC, you know, really likes him. I, I think, you know, with, with, we're talking about speed receivers on the West Coast at this point. Sean Beck at uh, Los Angeles Jordan, who's a real small kid. He's about 5'7", about 165 pounds. He's a little more of a jitterbug, um, but that's that's one kid. And then you got Kalen Clay as the other kid that's really those guys that are, that are deep threats. Uh-huh. Yeah, excuse me. I think I just caught your cold over the phone. <laughs> excuse me. Nice. Sorry about that. Nice. We got two guys on here on the podcast that can't talk. Yes. No, no. I think we I'm got back voice now. for TV and faces for radio. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Gerard. Well, it's cool. Good recruiting update. I know it was spring break. There wasn't too much recruiting going on, but we wanted to kind of get an update on some of the players you guys profiled on the front page of uscfootball.com this week. Um, let's switch over to spring ball real quick. And, uh, you know, I think you, uh, you know, we talked about doing these spring battles and one of the good things about being part of the rivals.com network is there's so many good sites out there. And a lot of times a different site will come up with a good idea and we can kind of, you know, borrow it and, and help it along. And we'll talk about it with the different publishers. And one of them that a bunch of different sites did were these uh, spring football battles. And we did a top five and we're halfway through it or a little more than halfway through right now. We did, as we mentioned before on the podcast, middle linebacker, strong side, defensive end, and uh, we put up weak side linebacker today. People are actually guessing the final two, so I think they're they're getting into it a little bit, Jar. They're getting into our countdown, which I like. Um, what what did you notice from the the first few battles out there? What what were the things that kind of stuck out to you? Well, I think um, you know just the the feedback for the strong side defensive end position. I think everybody's kind of wants to to chime in on that. You know, everybody has their own, their own opinions on who the guys are going to be on the defensive line this year because there's you know there's a lot of talent and there's depth and so there's a combination of guys that could end up starting and um i think uh the you know the interesting thing because it's kind of newsworthy um that's kind of brought into the discussion is the whole thing with Armand Armstead moving to the strong side defensive end um you know my personal opinion and i stated it you know talking about it on the boards and, and various threads i, I think and Armstead being a guy with, you know, he's a, he's a good 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and he's about 290 pounds. I think with his height and being a good basketball player as well, I think I like him moving into the three technique. I, I know he's playing some strong side, and, and I think there's going to be formations and there's going to be times where USC wants to have a big body over there on the strong side to be able to kind of anchor um, against the run. Because, you know, when you're on the strong side, you're going to get that tight end on you, and you're going to get a tackle. So there's a real easy double team for you. So you got to have a big body. you got to have a guy who can take on the run, and I think there's going to be specific times where USC maybe wants to get a guy in there that's a little more physical and a big body. But I think, in general, I like to have Armstead play that three technique, mainly because he's a big, tall guy that can get in the passing lanes. And that's just that's something that's very overlooked. I mean, deflections 
batted balls. Sometimes you know we it's it's a dead play, and you don't realize that could have been a touchdown. <laughs> you know that that could have been a screen pass that had gone for a touchdown. That it's third and ten. It could have been an easy you know throw right across the middle to the receiver for a first down, and then the drive keeps going. There's a lot of things that happen on you know pass deflections that people don't realize. Wow, that that was a big play uh, by that defensive lineman. Kyle Moore and Feely Mola had a lot of pass deflections over the last couple of years that might have really helped the defense. Um, you know, stall some drives. And so that's something that, you know, if, if, if Armstead's over there on the strong side, I just don't see, I see a little bit of a void in terms of height in the middle of that defense, and, I, and those passing lanes get open. And that was something that the, the 2005 defense had a lot of problems with because you had uh, Lauren Ramsey and you had uh, Cedric Ellis both starting. Those guys are both six foot, uh, six six one. And if you look at the you know defensive tackles left on the roster, if you move Armstead out of there, you've got uh, you know Tupu obviously Tupo, you've got um, uh, Casey, and you've got uh, Spicer, and those guys are all you know. I mean Tupu is probably about six two, but Spicer and, and Casey are six one six foot. So I think that was a very interesting conversation that came up. There's a lot of people that feel like, hey, you know, Armstead should be over there. Uh, playing in the, the four three under that you know playing strong side because he's such a good run defender, um, you know, and it opens up uh, Everson Griffin to go to the weak side. Uh, but you know, I mean, I think you know that there's argument to say, hey, you know what, Malik Jackson needs to get on the field. I mean, that guy's a natural pass rusher. Um, and you look at that 2007 defensive line, that class. That's really what's made this argument so much so interesting and so exciting to talk about because there are so many options. I mean, you got Malik Jackson, a guy that a lot of people didn't think was going to qualify. And he comes in and plays as a true freshman and shows really a lot of flashes of being a very talented guy. And then you've got Armstead, obviously, who people thought, you know, that's an NFL offensive lineman. And he comes in, plays as a true freshman, very successful, plays some pretty good minutes. Um, Jarrell Casey, huge minutes. I mean, he ended up playing basically that second half against uh, Oregon State and surplaced uh, Everett Spicer for most of the game. So, I mean, you've got those guys, and then you've got, obviously, you've got uh, Wes Wharton, who's probably more your prototypical strong side defensive end because he's got that height. He's 6'5", he's about 240, he's going to be 250 pretty quickly, son of an Ameri- uh, American gladiator. Um, you know, that, that's, you know, look at the guy that, you know, would be, would be probably physically fit in with what Kyle Moore did the most would probably be Wes Wharton. And then you've got friggin' Nick Perry, who... I mean, to say we haven't even scratched the surface on Nick Perry, they haven't even opened the box on Nick Perry. <laughs> Perry is, is the most athletic guy that, that was in that whole class. I think he was the most highest-rated highest guy in the whole defensive line class that they had. Uh, a guy who runs a 4-5 and, and is, you know, 6-3, about 250. I mean, you know, there's, it, it's really a lot of potential there, and I think it's, it's, a, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, weak side linebacker is, is an, and the whole linebacker core, you know, is, is, is a debate because you just there's so much – you know, with Mike Linebacker, there's so much with injuries, right. you know, with Chris Gallipo and, and Luther Brown, obviously, it's, you know, people are going to have their opinions, but nobody really knows. Everybody's a little apprehensive because of those injuries, but with the defensive line, you know, those guys are all guys that have some minutes, and they've all, you know, shown a lot of potential and talent, and um, it's a little bit of a fantasy football thing when you start talking about, you know, who you want to plug in there, and uh, you know, hey, let's let's just have a relay team and put Kevin Green in there, uh, Everson Griffin, and <laughs> Nick Perry at defensive tackle, and then put on the other side, strong side, put uh, um, like Malik you know, Jackson uh, or something, or yeah, yeah, Billy Jackson or something. I mean, you know, just like have him just run after the quarterback. So yeah, there's a lot of options there, and I think that's what excites people and gets them talking about it. Well, Gerard, from what you said and from what Coach Harvey High said, I kind of I, it wasn't the same question, but I talked about both of those, the, the top three or the the number five four and three battles, and both of you went right to strong side defensive end. So that tells me I needed to move that up. It shouldn't have been number four. <laughs> it should have moved up in the countdown because it's definitely something that's exciting. Um, it's been all defense so far, and, you know, I, I think the main reason is because you lost so many defensive starters there uh, on that side. You know, you lost that too many guys on that side of the ball that I, I didn't feel that some of those other battles, um, you know, warranted getting there. But there'll be the top two coming up. There might be an offensive well, we know, two gonna be, we know that the coup de grace is going to be the uh, uh, the quarterbacks. I mean, we're, 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 am I am I'm I missing something here? It has to be the quarterbacks. I mean, everybody knows that. But number but, two, will, it, will number two be one of the offensive line positions, left tackle? People are out. Who knows? That's a possibility. That's a possibility. I mean, there are uh, 
you know, it could be shoot. I mean, you could make an argument for the running back position and still be uh, one that's uh, debatable. I mean, as to who's really going to get all the carries and, uh, you know, where does Curtis McNeil fall into all this? Right. I mean, that's another position that is, is exciting. You know, I think people are still hold their breath, to be honest with you, about the running back position as to, you know, who's going to be the breakout guy? I mean, we've been waiting for the last two, almost three years at this point. Who's going to be the guy? I mean, is, is, is that what the, does the coaching staff want that at this point i mean we i think i don't they think did, they did yeah <laughs> but i don't know if they do now where they want to have that one guy be that guy i, I think honestly you know it's funny to say because you talk about joe mcknight and i think a lot of people outside the program their perspective would be you know joe mcknight is this guy is going to be a first round pick and he's this great player and stuff i think for people who watch you know usc football are, are familiar with the program still feel like joe mcknight has a lot to prove and there's a lot for him to do, um, I think this could be a breakout year for him. I, I think Joe is the type of guy, and going back to the recruiting process and just how he handled things and just knowing him and talking to him and, and how he views things, this is like a contract year for Joe McKnight. I mean, he's, he's looking at it like a, he's a free agent that's going to be, or he's going to be a free agent next year, and you have like those players like in the NBA or, or that's that, that contract year for him, and they really step it up. And he realizes that if he wants to have a look at the NFL, he's got to have a big junior year. He's got to have a big junior year. He's got to really be way more productive from the beginning of the season to the end of the season than he has been the last two years. So that's a guy, obviously, I think Anthony McCoy and and Joe McKnight would be two guys that I think offensively are guys that you could pay and, and depend on being, you know, I think those guys are going to have breakout years, which, you know, like I said, with Joe McKnight, a lot of people would, would think, well, he's already a breakout player for USC. What, you know, why? How, how can he have a breakout year? But I think those of us who are close to the program kind of know he can do a lot more. He 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 could be um, even more dynamic than he is. All right, Gerard. Well, that tells me one thing: we definitely need to have a roundtable next week after the uh, first couple practices of spring ball. There'll be a practice Saturday and Tuesday, so we'll have to have you on the roundtable. With that, that was a big success last time. I don't know what made a big success, but people did like it, so we'll try it again. <laughs> it was a big success. <laughs> we'll, we'll try it again. Well, hopefully we'll get some user questions and stuff in this one. Okay. That sounds uh, It sounds like a plan. So you hopefully get... I won't be sick and coughing. Yeah. Well, last time we had a roundtable, um, uh, Janice Cat was, like, messing with uh, Dan, so he was kind of, like, nasally he was... and coughing and stuff. <laughs> yeah, poor little Neo. He's, uh, Dan's allergic to cats, so when he comes into the studio here... The little cat's running around, and uh, it doesn't go. Yes, so cat right. in the studio. A professional. Yes. All right. Well, Gerard, thanks for uh, coming. You know, taking the Benadryl and uh, stepping up the plate for the podcast this week. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week. Awesome. I will. Uh, I'll see you. I'll see you down at Spring Bowl. All right. Thanks to our guest, Harvey Hyde, Dan Wykey, and Gerard Martinez, and thanks all of you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 